0: This is Making Waves from NOAA's National Ocean Service. I'm Troy Kitch. The Great Pacific Garbage Patch, I bet you've heard of it. It's a phrase that's really caught on in the past few years, and it's easy to see why. It conjures up a powerful image, a vast vortex of human waste, plastic bags, tires, cans, barrels, you name it, all floating out there in the ocean. Here's the thing. It actually doesn't really look like that at all. What it looks like to the human eye, from satellites? Well, for the most part, it doesn't look like much at all. Most of it's all but invisible. How can that be? Well, I recently sat down with Diana Parker from the NOAA Marine Debris Program to find out what the garbage patch is and isn't, what we know and don't know, and what we can do about this ocean-sized problem. Diana, welcome and thanks for joining us. Let's start with the obvious question. What are we talking about when we say garbage patch?
1: A lot of people hear the word patch and they immediately think of, you know, almost like a blanket of trash that can easily be scooped up. But actually these areas are always moving and changing with the currents and it's it's mostly these tiny plastics that you can't immediately see with the naked eye.
0: I noticed that you said garbage patch areas. So the Great Pacific Garbage Patch is only one area in the ocean where marine debris concentrates?
1: So there are garbage patches all over the world. These are areas where debris naturally accumulates. So there are garbage patches of all different sizes and shapes and and compositions. The, The one that we know the most about is the Great Pacific Garbage Patch, which lies in an area between Hawaii and California. And so what we know about this area is that it's made up of tiny microplastics, almost akin to a a peppery soup uh, with scattered larger items, fishing gear, uh, those kinds of items swirling around.
0: A peppery soup. Hmm. Could you explain that again?
1: Well, imagine... Tiny, tiny microplastics just swirling around, mixing in the water column from waves and wind. Uh, That's always moving and changing with the currents. Uh, These are tiny plastics that you might not even see if you sailed through the middle of the garbage patch. They're they're so small and, and mixed throughout the water column.
0: I would think that most of the plastic that ends up in the ocean are bigger pieces like bags and bottles and plastic toys, things like that. But you're saying that most of the plastic is so small that it's hard or impossible to see. Can you talk a little bit more about the plastic debris in the ocean and why it's so small?
1: There are many different kinds of plastics out in the ocean and they come from a number of different sources. So there are teeny tiny microplastics out there that were either manufactured to be small so for example the microbeads in face wash could be plastic there are also little tiny plastic pellets that we sometimes call nurdles that are used to make larger items but then there are also tiny plastics that are shards of larger items and plastics never really go away they just break down over and over again until they become smaller and smaller from Sunlight and other environmental factors, waves, big storms, those kinds of things.
0: So we have these vast regions in the ocean where the water column looks like a peppery soup, and that's because of all these small bits and pieces of plastic. I would imagine this plastic kind of looks like food. Do we know if fish and birds are eating this stuff?
1: We know that some species of birds and fish eat microplastics. They even eat some larger plastics. So, for example, a lace-on albatross in the northwestern Hawaiian Islands, uh, we know that um, just about every dead albatross found on Midway Atoll has some form of plastic in its stomach. You know, we, we don't know if that's what killed it, but, you know, we know that this is becoming a big problem and so we know that there are microplastics in the ocean we know that birds and fish and even maybe some larger marine mammals eat these plastics we know there are chemicals in the plastics and we know that the chemicals can absorb other toxic chemicals that are floating around in the ocean and so now the big question is what are those plastics doing to the animals that eat them
0: well i'm, I'm sure you get this question a lot Now we know that marine debris in the ocean is a bad thing so why don't we just clean it up? Especially if most of the trash is contained in garbage patch areas because of the way the debris naturally accumulates because of ocean currents.
1: The word garbage patch it accurately describes what it is because these are patches of ocean that contain our garbage but they're not areas where you can easily go through and skim trash off the surface. First of all, because of they are tiny microplastics that aren't easily removable from the ocean, but also just because of the size of this area, we did some quick calculations that if you tried to clean up less than 1% of the North Pacific Ocean, it would take 67 ships one year to clean up that portion. And the bottom line is that until we prevent debris from entering the ocean at the source, it's just going to keep congregating in these areas. We could go out and clean it all up and then still have the same problem on our hands as long as there's debris entering the ocean.
0: Okay, so that's the really big problem, to prevent the debris from entering the ocean in the first place. So what can you or me or anyone do to help? It's
1: as simple as changing your individual behavior every day, creating less waste, reusing what you can, uh, remembering to recycle, littering, obviously, is is a major no-no, and then going out and joining a beach cleanup. It's difficult to really understand the problem until you get out there and see it firsthand, how bad the problem is.
0: And I imagine you've had plenty of opportunities to go out there and see how bad it is firsthand. Is that right?
1: I absolutely have. For example, every year I, I go out with the International Coastal Cleanup and work to pick up trash from the Anacostia and Potomac in Washington DC. And the amount of trash you find on the shorelines is just incredible. Bottles, bags, aerosol cans all mixed together. It's it's all, you know, in some places it's like a thick mat. And so these are really populous urban areas, but then we also see the same kind of trash on really remote beaches. For example, is on a beach in Lanai in Hawaii, and we found everything from plastic bottles, flip-flops, fishing gear. We found an entire couch, and some of this debris was clearly local, and some of it um, had, had clearly come from other countries around the Pacific Rim. So debris can touch even the most remote places in the world.
0: Okay, so given what you know working on this problem day in and day out, is it something that feels like a kind of an overwhelming, hopeless problem? What do you think?
1: It's not a hopeless situation. Marine debris is absolutely a solvable problem because it comes from us humans and our everyday practices. We can take any number of steps to keep it from entering the ocean and that can happen at the highest level with governments and it can happen at the lowest level with with individuals and everyday choices.
0: Thanks Diana for taking the time to chat with us about this. And that was Diana Parker, communications specialist with NOAA's Marine Debris Program. If you want to know more, you're in luck, there's lots more online. You can check our show notes for the links. And you can find that on the web at ocean service, all one word, oceanservice.noaa.gov. Have a question? Shoot us an email, we're at nos.info nos.info@noaa.gov. At And thanks for listening to Making Ways from NOAA's National Ocean Service. And we'll be back in about a month.